Back to throw Garoppolo, under some pressure. He is brought down by Quinn and Williams. That is great sideline work by Davidson Crowder. That's an incredible interception by Marcus May. For the second straight week, the New York Jets venture out west, where this time they'll take on the L.A. Rams. What's going on, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Numbers Game. Dan Grassa joined, as always, by my co-host from the NFL Network, Cynthia Freeland. Cynthia, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well. Uh, weather here is not so bad. I think that, you know, a little, a little less uh, driving condition problem here than maybe where you are. So you mean in Southern California, right by the beach, you didn't get a foot of snow this week like we did? No? It would be really crazy if we did, but the Jets are playing out here. So nice temperate weather, even though SoFi stadiums were only sort of like sort of outside. Too bad they couldn't have stayed out there, of course. Then they would have had to not deal with the snow and then the flight back. But we'll get to that coming up here in just a little bit. But before we look ahead to this week's game and another visit to L.A., let's rewind and take a peek back at what happened this past Sunday. And certainly it wasn't one of the finest efforts for the Jets this season. They dropped to the Seattle Seahawks by the final of 40-3. to Their most one-sided defeat of the entire season, at least on the scoreboard. Jets jumped out to that 3-0 lead, but then it was tough sledding pretty much the rest of the afternoon. Yeah, it was interesting because they kept their streak alive in terms of scoring first because, you know, you and I love that streak. Love but it. After that, things got a little bit dicier, although there were some individual performances that are absolutely worth highlighting. Absolutely. And Cynthia was talking about the streak, of course, for those that don't know. Seven consecutive games the Jets have scored on their opening possession. That's not only a franchise record for the Jets, it's also the longest current active streak in the National Football League. And I will say this, Cynthia, though. In hindsight, I don't think the Jets are going to shed too many tears if they don't have to go visit that Seahawks stadium again anytime soon. Three games they've played there in their history, they've only mustered 13 points on offense. So if it's another four years at the earliest, I don't think the Jets are going to be too sore about that one. Yeah, I think that it's going to be interesting to see, you know, look, new year, new time. I kind of hate like stadium numbers like that because every time it's a different team in a different matchup, fresh sheet of paper, you can write anything on it you want. So you know, maybe maybe for us West Coast people, maybe it's better. I'll be happy when they come back out here because that one's a little bit more achievable for me to go watch. Absolutely. Fingers crossed when we get back to normalcy everywhere for sure. But you mentioned some of the achievements in this game, though, and there were plenty of those. Seven players on the offensive side of the football played all 53 snaps for the green and white, starting with the quarterback, Sam Darnold, who had a turnover-free football game, even though they really didn't produce much on the scoreboard. Rashad Perryman, the wide receiver, led all wideouts with seven targets and had three grabs, which tied a team high for the afternoon. Yeah, it was interesting to see, because you know this defense is constructed a little bit differently than kind of maybe most NFL defenses, in that they have a really interesting pressure number, and then their defensive backs have been susceptible. That's why we've seen so many catches for opposing wide receivers. So it was kind of fun to see all the different ways that the wide receivers were deployed in this game. All five offensive linemen that started played every snap, too, starting left from right. Makai Becton, Pat Elfline, Connor McGovern, Josh Andrews and George Fant. And for the rookie left tackle, Becton, Cynthia, another pretty good day at the office, right? But we've grown accustomed to that this year. I mean, are we spoiled? I don't know. He's a first-round pick. Maybe it's what's expected. But the one pressure surrendered, that's a big deal. That's a big monstrous deal for this guy because the point is, is you got to keep Sam Darnold from feeling pressure. And Mekhi Becton has really lived up to that end of the bargain. We've seen Seattle. They obviously made some acquisitions. They got Carlos Dunlap. The whole thing was to try to generate more pressure. And when you have a guy like Mekhi Becton sitting there, it ain't going to happen. 
Give a shout out to to Braxton Berrios, who I thought did a nice job on Sunday. Three catches for 49 yards. That was his fifth game this season where he's had three or more catches on the year, which is certainly the most production he's had in his short NFL career. He already has a career high, 29 receptions this year, Cynthia. He only had six before this season started. You know, I think we saw kind of in early games, and you saw, like, you kept hearing his name. You knew that the coaching staff liked him, so it was fun to see his number be called. No Denzel Mims for the Jets on Sunday. He missed it because of personal reasons. He should be back out there on Sunday against the Rams, so that should provide a boost for the offense. We flip over to the defensive side of the ball. Four players took all 73 snaps. That's a lot of reps, but only four guys were out there for all the Marcus May, Bryce Hall, the rookie, Harvey Longy, and Neville Hewitt. And let's talk about Marcus May because, you know, we've kind of grown spoiled to this as well if you follow the Jets. Marcus May, highlight real interception. We saw one earlier this year down in Miami, and guess what? He did it again last week. A tremendous play, controlling the ball, falling backwards into the end zone, matched up against DK Metcalf, no less. Oh, just DK Metcalf? I mean, that's, you know, no big deal. He seems easy to guard. Um, ultimately, in this one, when you look back at the next-gen stats, they show that on that pass, DK had just a 21.8% chance reception expected. So ultimately, what this means is that Marcus May was able to see and be able to telegraph that this wasn't one of Russell Wilson's best throws, meaning opportunity for him. And then he obviously not just made the most of it, but totally like came down with it. Didn't just bat it away. Didn't just force an incompletion. He actually just completely got a turnover. So that was a really cool thing to see from May. And by the way, Russell Wilson's one of the best. So you always want to have a turnover against one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Absolutely. And that was his second interception of the season. It ties his career high, but he's on pace to have personal bests in every major statistical category here for the safety out of Florida. Foley Fadukasi on the defensive line. We keep talking about him. Had two tackles for loss, two quarterback hits, and he had the lone sack of Russell Wilson in that game on Sunday. Has a new career high with just two sacks. And Foley is a guy, Cynthia, that just keeps getting better now in his third year. Yeah, the thing about pressure is pressure and the back end of the defense work together. So it's going to tell you that interceptions, Marcus May is way better than two interceptions. You know why? Because interceptions have a little bit to do with luck in that it doesn't always necessarily mean if you're playing really good defense, you're forcing a quarterback to hold on to the ball longer. You're allowing more of that pressure to come up and the back and the front of the defense working together forces incompletions. An interception is great. A turnover is awesome, but re really consistently forcing the a quarterback to have to think about things. That's great. So the front and the back working together, that's really promising for this. Absolutely. Season. And when you look at the game on Sunday, look, Russell Wilson, he's elusive. He's athletic. He's tough to get a hand on. Of course, Jets only had three quarterback hits on him throughout the afternoon. Two of them were by Foley Fadukasi, but it's kind of an anomaly a little bit because if you go back to week 11, Jets have actually done a very good job of getting some hits on the opposing QB. 27 quarterback hits. That's tied for six most in the NFL since week 11. That's a really nice stat and a really nice uptick from the first beginning of the season to the, until, week, until week 11 and then week five. When we come back here on the numbers game, got a lot more to do. We will look ahead to the opponent. That would be the Los Angeles Rams. This is the numbers game. Welcome to Bet365, the world's favorite sports book. You can bet on football, basketball, baseball, hockey, MMA, and soccer. You can even make a bet while the game is still being played. Yes, you can. But here's the best part. Bet365 is now available in New Jersey. 
Bet365, the world's favorite sports book, now in New Jersey. And welcome back into the numbers game. Dan Gross is sitting alongside my co-host, Cynthia Freeland of the NFL Network. And let's look ahead here to the game on Sunday, Cynthia. Second trip in as many weeks for the New York Jets out to the West Coast. Their second visit to SoFi Stadium. Remember, just four weeks ago, they went out there and fell to the Chargers 34-28. to and this, again, is not going to be an easy one. You're talking about a Rams team that's 9-4. and four. They're tied with the Seahawks for first place in that NFC West. And they certainly are going to pose one heck of a challenge for the green and white. Yeah, the interesting part about the Rams this season is that, you know, you think Sean McVay and you think offense. But this season, the defense is really the anchor of this team. Number two scoring defense in the league. But that's just like the tip of the iceberg for how good the defense has been playing. I know we'll get into it in a second. But it's interesting because the offense is not, you know, you think Sean McVay and you think Jared Goff, you think in that Super Bowl, like getting to that Super Bowl season, it was all offense. But this season, nope, it has been a lot of defense. You say Rams, all discussions begin and end with the defensive side of the ball. You're a thousand percent right. And you figure the Jets are going to face a well-rested Rams team because remember, they haven't played since last Thursday when they beat the New England Patriots 24 to three in their building too. So it's not even like they have to travel, but let's right get into the numbers here when it comes to the defense. Because as you said, they're ranked first overall, third in scoring defense, first against the pass, third against the rush, second on third down defense. And specifically at home here, They've only allowed more than 17 points at home just once this season. That was the only game they dropped on their home field. That was the San Francisco 49ers 23-20, but just surrendering an average of 13 points a game at SoFi. Pretty formidable. Yeah, I'd say that's pretty formidable. I mean, you know, you get Aaron Donald on your team and things look pretty good. And then you add Jalen Ramsey and things get even better. So it's a really nice opportunity. And by the way, it's always good when you draft the right guys. This is a good note for the Jets for the future because Quinn and Williams has this trajectory too, right? You draft the guy, homegrown guy. You keep cultivating him, cultivating him. And then he turns into someone amazing who's likely going to be your defensive player of the year for the second time. You're right about that. Drafting, that's the foundation of your football team, there's no doubt. And we'll get to a couple of names here that, you know, the Rams went out and got from other organizations who were first-round draft picks, and now they're the ones reaping the rewards. But you mentioned Aaron Donald, and we have to start with him, Cynthia, because not only are we talking about probably the best defensive player in the NFL, he's right up in the conversation of one of the two or three best football players period in the National Football League. He leads the NFL in sacks. We're talking about a two-time defensive player of the year, and for my money, he's on his way to a third at this point with just three weeks to go. You could sit there and just spend days talking about all of his statistical achievements so far. Yeah, I'm going to tell you two that I like that aren't – look, look, I can read you this whole list. I got this list here about quarterback pressures, pressure rate, turnovers caused by pressure, all tied or number one all in his own right. But I'm going to tell you one that isn't quite as obvious. First, the number of times he's double or triple teamed. It's over 70% of snaps. These aren't passing snaps. These are snaps, period, full stop. That's ridiculous. Most guys, like a Fletcher Cox, that kind of guy, they're getting pressure, double teamed in the pressure that way on about 50% of snaps. That's a lot more when you think Aaron Donald's over 70%. Now, that changes the way offenses have to structure their game. And also, the other thing there is it, it helps stop the run. They don't need to use a, kind of – they can use a different approach in terms of light or heavy boxes when stopping – like, it's ridiculous how different he makes the team. And like I said, 
there's some Quinn and Williams like, you know, things to say here because interior defenders, especially the way modern football is going, they're becoming more and more important. So, like I said, we can find the bright spot here for the Jets and the analogy, but you're never going to find Aaron Donald. You got to you got to get I think he's like a once in a lifetime kind of player. No, you're absolutely right about that. I mean, clearly you mentioned interior defensive lineman. He's the ceiling. He's the benchmark. But, you know, to say that you're <laughs> going to be him, you can maybe aspire to be. But there is only one Aaron Donald, as you said. And the other scary thing about it is, you know, Adam Gase was talking about this earlier in the week, too. He doesn't just line up in the same spot all the time. Now, there's not a lot of places he could go on the defensive line, but they do make sure that they move him around that D line. So you always have to account for where he's going to be and then decide, are we going to double? Are we going to triple him? And yet he's still going to find a way to be disruptive. Yeah, the different techniques that he lines up in, so the different areas on the field, they are always about matchups because Aaron Donald's super smart, right? So he can spy when he knows, like if there is a team use a lot of motion ahead of the snap, then that usually indicates X or Y. And, you know, defensive players typically is process of elimination. So he has one of the best football brains that I've ever spoken to. And, I mean, I feel like I ask a lot of annoying questions. So, you know, these guys, he's been patient too, so I should probably say that. But ultimately, he can spy it out, and they can structure all of the different techniques to make the best use of him. Let's flip it over to the offensive side of the ball here for the Rams. Jared Goff, he's been there a few years, former number one overall pick. He's eighth in the NFL in passing yardage. He's got 18 touchdowns to 11 interceptions. And one thing that he's doing a bit better here recently, Cynthia, is that he's getting the football out of his hands a lot quicker. And you know this. You run a West Coast offense. The West Coast offense is based on timing, precision. He's doing that. He is. The interesting part about Goff this season is that he's been turnover prone. And there's a huge correlation between his ability to, if the run game is consistent and, and it looks now like Cam Akers is their lead back, you never know. But it does look like that given the consistency of the past few games. However, Jared Goff and interceptions, those two things have gone hand in hand with losses this past season. So you have to look to see, okay, when Jared Goff is not able to get the ball out quickly, those situations are when they turn the ball over. And that's when you've seen the Rams give up wins. So it's interesting because in their four losses, when you go back to examine, it is all about turnovers. And once Jared Goff kind of gets turning it over and then they are reliant more on the pass game and then they have simpler concepts that they show the defense, it, it doesn't usually work out. All right, Cynthia, let's take a peek at the upcoming schedule. Just two more games left for the Jets. Next week, it's the home finale against the Cleveland Browns. Second straight game, the Browns are going to be playing at MetLife Stadium because they're going to take on the Giants a little bit later on Sunday night. And then the Jets will close it out on the road with a trip up to Foxborough to take on the New England Patriots. I can't believe we have just three games left in the season. Where is time gone? I'm telling you, it's the fastest, slow season I've ever experienced. Hopefully we get to leave the house one of these days and head back to stadiums. That'll be fun, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? <laughs> I just want you to come out here for a Chagachino. That's really all I want. Where would I be without a Chagachino? It makes the heart grow fond. That's all the time we have for this week. Cynthia, great job as always. We'll do it again next week. Enjoy the game. You too. For Cynthia Freeland, I'm Dan Grassa. That's all the time we have for this edition of the Numbers Game. Enjoy the football, everybody. So long.